Mark, the 11th chapter, and um, the 24th verse. I'll put it up on the screen for you. Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus speaking, he says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. The English Standard Version, I think, makes this a little more plain as to exactly what's being said. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And in the God's Word translation, that's why I tell you, have faith that you've already received whatever you pray for, and it will be yours. So, why is it necessary, according to Jesus, to believe you have received, believe you have received, Should it not be obvious if you have received or not? And it's this thinking that goes back to the visual confirmation that we've been talking about connected with this one-dimensional approach that many people try to use in receiving from God. Believe you have already received. I believe this one statement represents the biggest hurdle for those learning to walk in and receive by faith. It's, I don't, I don't want to use, you know, silly little, little slogans to try to make this point here, but this, this point is, is a dividing line. Um, remember what, um, the, the elderly gentleman said as he prophesied over Jesus uh, in his first trip to the temple as a baby, he, he said that this, this child will represent the, the rise and the fall of many. Um, Jesus said that he came to bring a sword. Now, we know he's the Prince of Peace, and he wasn't contradicting what the prophet said or what the angels sang at his birth. He is the Prince of Peace, and he, and in he alone can we find the true peace that we're looking for. But in order to have the peace that he created us to have, he's got to separate us from some things that are preventing us from experiencing and enjoying all the things that he created for us to experience and enjoy. And so he talked about even division that would take place in families where some people would, in, you know, some family members in a, in a single family unit would hear Jesus and believe him and, and follow him while others you know, would not, and it would cause division. God's not a divider. Uh, he, he wants us to be united, but you've you got to get on the right foundation before we can truly be united and so in that regards jesus you know he he is well i mean just look at the calendar right time counted up to his birth and then started over and when jesus came to this earth and opened his mouth and began to speak he was in essence drawing a giant line in the sand and, and he would say things like, you have heard it said, but I say. And then he went on to say, you know, 
if you hear these sayings of mine and do them. And then when he was transfigured in front of Peter, James, and John, and Moses and Elijah were there comforting him, and Peter says, let's build three tabernacles and stay here forever. And immediately the whole thing, vroom, and God the Father speaks. And he says, this is my beloved son. You hear him. You hear him. Moses representing the law and the prophets. I'm, I'm sorry, representing the first five books of the Bible. Elijah representing the prophets, two of the greatest figures in the Old Testament. Those that were held in such high regard and high respect by all the people of their day. And yet God the Father is saying, I'm elevating my son and what my son says above all these other things. It's, it's, it's not that they were wrong. It's just that they did not see the picture as clearly as Jesus saw it. So when we talk about drawing a line in the sand, and, and this is what I want to say, but I'm, I don't want to offend anybody by it, but you ever heard the expression, separates the men from the boys? You might have heard that when the, the girls from the women. In other words, it, the, 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 there are certain doctrines that, that, that tend to do that. In other words, you, 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 can, you can splash around in the shallows of, of um, you know, Jesus is just all right with me and, and WWJD and, you know, this kind of, you know, lighthearted, carefree approach to serving God. But then, you know, if, if, if you want to, like, speak in unknown tongues and cast out demons and, you know, these, these greater things that, that Jesus said all those who believe in him should be doing, could be doing, um, there, there are some certain things that, you know, modern-day religion just rejects altogether. And we think because most people do believe this and don't believe that, that that makes what the majority believes right and what the minority believes is wrong. But Jesus said, it's a straight and it's a narrow path and few they be that find it. I want to be one of the few that find it. Amen. And so I believe that what Jesus taught in Mark 11 is the greatest faith lesson ever taught. It's an object lesson. He spoke to the fig tree on the way in, and then when he came out, the disciples saw that it had withered up from the roots, and he had their attention. In the moment that he had their attention, he began to speak to them, and he began to speak to you and me. He says, have faith in God. And if you believe in your heart and do not doubt, you won't just speak to a fig tree and it obey you. You'll speak to that mountain and it'll be cast into the sea and it also will obey you. He wasn't showing off. He was showing you and me how to operate in faith under this new covenant, under this, under this new covenant of grace where, where God is, is no longer three heavens away, but He's now in us. He's now with us, Sister Vicki Wall, some of you remember her, she's moved up to the Huntsville area. She sent me something over Christmas and she said, Emmanuel, God in us. He's not just with us anymore. Thank God he's with us, but he's, he's in us. And so even in what Jesus is saying here, he's once again drawing that line in the sand. He's saying, believe you've already received and what." And whatever you've asked for, you will have. Now, as it relates to the object lesson, nothing 
seemed to happen when Jesus spoke to the tree. That's the object lesson, right? He spoke to it, and it looked just like it looked when he spoke to it. He goes on about his way, comes back the next day. Everybody else is amazed. Jesus is not amazed. So do you see the, the context of what he's saying? Jesus believed that the fig tree was gone, so to speak. I mean, you know, dead, so to speak, when he spoke to it. Even though nothing seemed visual confirmation to happen, he believed it. And, and that's, that to me is, when I say it's the biggest hurdle for those learning to walk in and receive by faith, a one-dimensional approach to receiving has conditioned us to only believe we have received after we hold the desired results in our hands and not before. And there's, this is where so many people get stuck. They pray, they ask God, but then when they don't see an instant result, they think nothing happened. Their prayer wasn't answered. God said no. God said yes. God said maybe. God said wait. God's, you know, we come up with all these you know, excuses or reasons or answers But what Jesus taught us was to believe we have already received. Okay, now, keep that in mind. We're building some things tonight. When we go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, if Mark 11 contains the greatest faith lesson ever taught, Hebrews 11.1 provides one of the most important definitions of faith that we have in the Bible. This is not the only way to define faith. It's not the only way the Bible defines faith. One of, one of my favorite is what we see in Romans 4, where Abraham's faith is defined, depending on the translation, as him being fully persuaded or him being fully convinced. Fully meaning like absolutely 100%, no doubt, fully convinced. Okay, But in Hebrews 11.1, 1, we see that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And at least one of the key reasons this verse begins with the word now has to do with what has been revealed in the chapter before, among other things, chapter 10, verse 14, says that Jesus, by one offering of himself, has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Now, the same principle applies here. That we believe we have already received perfection in our born-again spirit, even though there are things, you know, the way things look, seem, and feel, so to speak, may not necessarily reflect that. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? So he, the Holy Spirit, through the uh, writer of Hebrews, he lays these things out, but then anticipating the questions and the concerns that people are going to have, it's like, okay, if this is true, then how is it true? He says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Much in the same way, without going too far down this path, much in the same way where the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul in the first three chapters of Galatians 
He's, he's building up to this point that we are heirs of God. We've put on Christ. We're in Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither male nor female. There, there's neither slave nor free. That we are, we are sons and daughters of God, that we're heirs. And if we're, and if we're heirs, uh, we've been blessed with Abraham. And he, he lays all this out. And then chapter 4, verse, verse 1, anticipating people are going to be like, well, why am I not seeing these things? It doesn't look like, seem like, or feel like any of that is true in my own life. He goes on to say, now I say, now I say that the heir, he spent three chapters building the case that we're heirs of God, right? He says, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differs nothing from a slave, though he be Lord of all. You'll never understand that verse. You'll never understand Hebrews 10, 14, unless you understand three-dimensional existence, three-dimensional reality, spirit, soul, and body. Our spirit has been perfected forever. Our minds are being renewed and our outward life reality is still being set apart unto God. How can, you be a, how can you be Lord of all and a slave at the same time? He made you an heir. He made you to rule and reign in life. But as long as we think like someone who's ignorant and immature and unable to speak on one's own behalf, our life reality is going to look more like a slave instead of the ruler that we actually are. It doesn't mean you're not perfected and it doesn't mean you're not a ruler. It just means the inward reality of these things has not yet become an outward expression of life. But when, when or by what means do they become an outward expression of life? It's when we become fully convinced that we're one with God. We become fully convinced. We believe these inward realities of the new birth. So much so that we start thinking, speaking, and acting. Faith without corresponding action is, is dead on these things. Now... Buried in this passage is a very, very important word or word derivative, okay? And that is this word, things. It, it almost, almost, I don't say a filler word, but it's like things, okay, things that, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, I mean, things, it's, it's, it's kind of this um, wide open word. And that's the way God wanted it. I mean, that's the way he wanted it. He said, whatever, whatever you ask Father in my name, he'll do it. And so by using the word things, I mean, things could be healing. Things could be material things. Things could be mental things. Things could be financial things, emotional things, what have you. He's just saying whatever it is, whatever it is, faith is the substance. And remember what we've said, hope is confident expectation, confident joyful expectation, and and hope rests upon genuine faith. That's what that substance means. It provides the support, the basis for, the reason for. I don't know if we'll get there tonight, but remember, the Bible says that contrary to hope, Abraham in hope believed. In other words, he had hope because of what he believed, not because, you know, um, Sarah had watched a late-night infomercial and found some herb blend that was going to, make her able to have a child. I'm not trying to be silly. I'm just, you're, you're what I'm saying. I mean, there, there was, it, I mean, it, it, what's that slim and none and, and slims left the building? I mean, you know, it, 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 just, it just wasn't. It just, there's no, absolutely zero reason in the natural for him to confidently, joyfully expect that Sarah was going to give birth to his, to his son. Okay. But he still had hope. Why? not based upon how things looked, seemed, or felt, but based upon what he believed. 
It supported his hope, his confident and joyful expectation. And now we also see that it's the evidence, and here's that word again, things not seen. Now, I don't want to go too far down this road either, but in the next verse we, we see that by faith we understand that the world's were framed by the Word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things that are visible. So do you realize that everything you can see came from something you can't see, including you, including me? Everything you can see, everything that's visible, came from something that's, that's not seen. Invisible doesn't mean unreal. Because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. And of course, that's, that's the realm of the Spirit. And part of what faith does is it brings things from the unseen realm of the Spirit into the seen or known realm of the physical. Now, the word here, though, is things. And I'm convinced that it is among the most important words in this verse as far as understanding what is really being said to us in this verse. And so things is the word transliterated pragma in the Greek. And in Hebrews 11.1, pragma exists in a past tense and a literal translation would be things done. Things done. Okay, so we'll go through this here in just a minute, but you've got things to be done. You've got things being done. And then you've got a whole completely different category. That's the category of things done. It's, it's done. Right? Okay. Now, we haven't really used this title in a while, but remember these different boxes that we keep pushing forward. And one of those boxes that, we, that we're, keep, we're moving forward is restoring precision. Restoring precision. There, there is a... There is a and there is and rather a, there is an established pattern in the scriptures it's spelled out in the scriptures and then we have abraham as the classic example for us to learn from and follow when it comes to our receiving from god and part of that pattern and it's not random it, it, it's not loose it's not like um what do they say about horseshoes? You know, you get credit if it's, a, if it's closer, if it's, a, you know. There's, being close doesn't work when precision is required. And precision is required here. So, this is, um, I kind of kid around about this, but, you know, not that there is a New Winslet translation of the Bible, but this would be how I would want you to understand or, or read this verse. Now, faith is the substance of things done and confidently expected. Are you seeing this now? Things done and confidently expected. The evidence of things done but not yet seen. 
See, as far as Jesus was concerned, when he spoke to that fig tree and, and cursed that fig tree, it was done. There was no wait and see. There was no hope this worked. This was no, um, in other words, no doubt about it, no wavering about it, no inner strife within himself about it. He spoke it. The fact that nothing happened when he, when he spoke to it didn't rattle him, didn't move him, didn't make him wonder if, if he missed it or should he have prayed more that day, should he have fasted breakfast that morning. None of that, right? He spoke, and despite what, how it looked, seemed, or felt, in his heart he knew it was done, and he went on about his business. Do you see how this ties in with believe you have already received? Why do you have to believe you've received? Should it not be obvious if you've received? No, you believe you've already received. You believe it's a thing done. Faith is the substance of of things done. Now, when you add hope for, and this was the mistake that I made. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit. When you add hope for, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope for, at least for me, when you, when you add hope for to things, it tends to pull my thinking towards things being done or things to be done. But that would be a mistake, and it is a critical mistake that a lot of people make. So consider the difference between things done, things being done, things to be done. Things being done means the work has started but is not finished. So what? More has to be done in order for it to be done. Something else has to happen. Something else has to take place in order to bring it to completion. Things to be done means it's on the list and hopefully will be done at some point in the future. But the category of things to be done are things that have not started yet and are not finished. So when the Holy Spirit directed it to specifically be written, things done, I'm not making this up. You know, if you've ever heard Brother Keith Moore, he'll go through a long expression of one of his first preaching uh, opportunities, and and it didn't go over well. He had been listening to a whole bunch of Brother Hagin, uh, you know, tapes and his little, you know, country uh, Pentecostal church. Um, they weren't ready uh, for for what he brought to them that day, and people started. I've had this happen to me, not in a sermon, but in a, in a teaching, a Sunday school, you know, where older people in the, in the, in the class start saying, well, wait a second, are you, are you saying, that it, do you mean to tell me, you know, like contradicting and, and anyway, so this was happening to him, first experience at preaching and, and um, he said he got home that night and he said, well, Lord, you know, that, that didn't go too well. And if you've ever heard him teach, he's got that, that sense of humor like that. And, and, um, and the Lord told him two things. He said, first of all, he said, you, you gave them a, I don't, this may not be exactly how it says it, but he said, you gave them a bucket full, you should have gave them a spoonful of all that. He said, but the next time somebody says, are you saying, he said, you don't tell them you said it, you tell them I said it. He said, you didn't say that. I said that, Keith. You should have told him I said that. The Lord said that, right? Amen? So the Holy Spirit directed it to be specifically written, things done. 
And in so doing, he was signifying the kind of faith that must undergird the anchor leg of hope. A full persuasion that the work is already done. The mountain is already gone. The thing asked for is already received. Even when it looks, seems, and feels like it is not. So faith sees the work already done. Because it is already done. Come on now. It sees the work is already done. Faith sees spirit realities that are not yet revealed to the physical senses. This seeing things done provides the foundation for rest and joyful expectation. So, when he says substance of things hopeful, what he's literally saying here is that joyful and confident expectation is based upon a things done knowing. Well, you know it's done. Not going to be done, not in the process of being done, but it's done. Mm. This, I'm telling you, listen to me now. Listen to me, please, okay? This, I don't, Holy Spirit, give me the right word here. Praise God, I can say it in an unknown tongue. This is the, this is it. This is the, help me Jesus, praise God. Well, you know, I know that God's going to do it. Faith is the evidence of things done. Not things gonna be done. Right? What did Jesus say? Believe you've already received. He could have, he could have just as easily said, believe that you'll get it one day and who knows, you know, it might work out for you. See, that's religion's version of all this. How many conversations have I had with so many people over the years? There was... Uh, one brother in particular, and I love him. He's in heaven now, and, and if he's watching right now, he's, I hope he's laughing because he sees it now, what he had a challenge seeing before he left this earth. And I, we've had, we had the same conversation, I'm, I know, at least to five times. And I never could get help him get, thank you Holy Spirit, I never could help him get God's going to heal me one day out of his thinking. Right? You say, Pastor Mark, what's wrong with that? It doesn't line up with the pattern. Jesus said believe. See, see what we don't realize, it sounds so spiritual. I believe God's going to do it one day. It sounds so spiritual. But what you're really saying then is, I won't fully believe it until it happens. And what, you, so what you've, in essence, done is you've tried to put hope where faith belongs in the process. Because I believe God will do it one day, that sounds a whole lot like a confident expectation of something to happen later. That's hope, that's not faith. Based upon what? See, there, here we go again. 
Based upon what? Well, I hope everything works out right. Based upon what? If it's not based upon something you are fully convinced of from God's Word, it's wishful thinking at best. So that's where we get these things. I'm just keeping you all in my thoughts and prayers. I'm hoping and believing. Hoping and praying. It all sounds so good. And I'm not trying, listen, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. God is merciful. He loves us. He wants good for us, right? Pray with me for a good report. So what, what are we really saying? When are we going to believe we're healed? No matter what the report says. Vanessa said something. She reminded me of something. Um, and I remember it vividly. When Matt and Vanessa were praying and speaking the word. and Just like they did for Jesse. To... The doctors basically said Vanessa would never have another child after Will. And um, they prayed and stood and confessed and believed and miraculously conceived Jesse. And then they did the same thing a few years later <laughs> for, for Daniel. And I remember she walked up to me. She stood right there one night and she said, I will not believe I am any more pregnant than I believe I am right now if I held a test in my hand that said I was. How many days? It wasn't, it wasn't long till this one was on the way. See, that's, that's faith. I said something a few weeks ago. I want to say it again tonight. I'm not, I do believe that faith is a choice. I do believe we can choose hope or we can choose uh, regret, we, mindset, attitude, all of those things are factors and elements and, and, and parts of faith. But you don't just decide you're going to be fully persuaded like that. That's, some, that's something God has to do inside of you. Are you hearing me? Faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Choosing to deliberately and intentionally tune out all the negativity, all the circumstances and situations that say it'll never happen, and deliberately and intentionally setting your mind on the things of God, confessing the Word of God, growing and, and developing... Abraham didn't believe it the first time he heard it. And again, he is our example. According to the Word of God, he's our example. First time he heard the promise, he laughed. But he didn't keep laughing. Is there anything too hard for God, what the angel asked him? He began to believe, he began to confess, he began to give glory to God. He began to walk with God, he began to learn, he began to grow. Until he came to that place, God brought him to that place of full persuasion. So we're talking about a joyful and confident expectation that's not based upon wishful thinking. It's based upon a thing's done knowing. It's done. The fig tree is dead. Even though it looks as alive as any fig tree in Jerusalem, it's dead. Now if this sounds strange to you, our very salvation is based upon a thing done. Think about that for a moment. Jesus does not have to continue to pay for sin. He paid for sin once and for all. And what did He say when He did it? It's finished. Meaning what? Nothing else has to be done to pay for a sin that will ever be committed on this planet. 
Every sin that will ever be committed has been paid for now, finally. It's finished. It's done. If somebody in this room, and I think I know everybody in this room, but if somebody in this room wanted to get born again tonight, Jesus would not have to go do anything. Are you seeing what I'm saying? He don't have to go get crucified again. It's done. Do you see this? See, this sounds, oh, but Pastor Mark, is this some strange new doctrine? No, it's not some strange, it's, it's thing done. I'm not trying to wig you out too much, but it was actually done before it was done. Done. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Because he's God and he can't lie. Jesus had already agreed to it. Every person Jesus forgave of their sins before he went to the cross, he forgave them on credit. Every person that was healed before Jesus took the stripes on his back for healing, it was done on credit. We think, well, you know, just people after Jesus was born again were healed because of the stripes he took. No, they, it's, it's, it was done before it was done. And so how much more done is it done now that it's been done? Done. Amen. How do we know it's a thing done? Well, we're back to God's word now. Faith by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Hope is based upon uh, faith, and faith is based upon the word of God. God's word says it's done. This is why the word of God says you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This is why the Bible says by his stripes you were healed. As far as God is concerned, it's done. So let me ask you something. What do you do when the thing is done? You rest. You rest. Faith rests. It rests in knowing the work is done. There's a big difference between taking a break taking a little bit of rest from the work and resting after the work is done. I'm right about this. Think about the feeling you have when a job is finished. Anybody remember term papers in school? Daniel's still in school. Caleb, Callie, some of these young folks still in school, right? Anybody remember the term paper? The dreaded term paper. Man, the devil was attacking me, and he was trying to make me hate writing. I'm not proud of this. I'd wait to the last minute and stay up all night. But, oh, the glory when it was done, right? You're done? I am done. I am finished. I remember when after however many years, I finished becoming a threat to addiction. I don't know, man. I wanted to go run somewhere. I just wanted to, I just wanted to go. My family knew it, too. They took me to, uh, Pam and the kids, Jake and Bethany and John Moore, took me to P.F. Chang's Celebrate. Told the, told the server. She's, you know, they sometimes ask you, you hear, the, so yeah, he, he finished his book today. You finished, you wrote a book. You know, she had, I didn't know they do this. She got a card 
and had all the servers sign it to the author at table 17 or whatever it was. You know. It's a thing done. Oh, it's done. Can you imagine the mood Jesus was in the morning he cooked breakfast for his disciples? After the beating, after the cross, after the suffering, after he became our sin, after being separated from his father, after his agonizing death, after his journey into the heart of the earth, all finished, all behind him, it's done. Can you imagine? That's why he was playing with him. He was joking around, right? You guys catching anything out there? They didn't even know who he was. They biting? No, sir. Leave us alone. We fished all night. They didn't know it was Jesus, right? And he said those beautiful words that they heard so many years before. Won't you throw it on the other side of the boat, boys? Peter jumped in the water and swam to him. He couldn't even wait to get there, right? He cooked them breakfast. to the Savior with the smelly fisherman at table four. You just redeemed mankind. It's finished. It's done. Compare the way you feel knowing a job is hanging over your head to the way you feel knowing the job is finished. Stand with me tonight. Is God working on your breakthrough? Is it on His list of things to do? Or is it done? What about your healing? Are you, are you on the list, uh, you know... Of the next 7,000 people to be healed on planet Earth, you're, you're number 684. He's going to get around to it one of these days. Just hang in there. It's done. Your healing is done. Your salvation is done. Your freedom is done. Your righteousness is done. Your eternal destination is done. Your glorified body is already prepared. It's done. It's done. Our confident expectation is based upon a thing done. Oh, sweet Jesus, Lord, let the revelation of it rise up strong in us, Father. Help us find the rest. Lord, the rest. The Holy Spirit had us define faith, and it's a biblical definition of, I'm sorry, had us define doubt, and it's a biblical definition of doubt. One of the ways to define doubt as an internal striving with oneself. Conflict. Will he, won't he, did he, can he, has he? What I got to do to get God to do it for me? Have I prayed enough? Have I fasted enough? Have I been good enough? Maybe I need to do some more. It's internal. See, there's no rest in that. There's no rest in that. We'll get into it next week. But that's one of the things the Lord is showing me is, is doubt won't let you rest. 
And doubt tries to convince you that there's something you've got to do in the flesh, like Abraham with, ha- with, uh, with uh, Hagar, right? Something you've got to do to make it happen. Not if it's already done. What can you do to make something happen that's already done? Father, sometimes you <coughs> have us teach and preach for a while till we finally get to, Lord, laying the foundation till we get to the things that we need. So that there's enough in our hearts to support the weight of the revelation, Lord, that you want to set within us. Lord, it's done. Couldn't be any more done, Father, than if, if we were already had tests, as Vanessa said, to, to, to prove it, to, to visual confirmation of it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, now this is going <clears> to, <throat> this is going to call for some renewing of our minds. Religion has taught us to think of it as something to be done or as something being done. But Lord, your word and your Holy Spirit are teaching us to see it differently. To believe we've already received. To believe the tree's already dead. To believe the mountain's already gone, Lord. It's already gone. And you said if we believe we've already received it, we'll have it. (laughs) If we'll believe it's done, even when it doesn't look or seem or feel like it is, Father, help us zero in on that, Lord. Help us, Lord, receive that. And let that truth set us free. Free to be, free to receive, free to express, free to do, free to give, free, Father, to be everything you made us already to be. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Look at me now. One quick, one last thing. It wasn't until Abraham believed it was already done. He's the example. If, if anybody teaches you something about faith that you can't find in Abraham's example, you need to really question it. And that's kind of become what the Holy Spirit says. He's showing me some things I've never seen in a way I've never seen it. I'm like, okay, let's, can we find this in Abraham's example? God said, I have made you the father of many nations. He heard, I will make you the father of many nations. It wasn't until Abraham realized God said, I have made, not will make. When he believed... It was a thing done and changed his name to father of a multitude to signify that, right? That was the breaking point. Amen. I love you. Know you're loved. Go in peace. Be blessed. I know that a lot going on in our lives, but if you can support Vanessa and Matt and Daniel and the boys and and Miss Jack, Sister Beverly, Again, Saturday the 7th, visitation at 10, service at 11, Pleasant Grove Assembly. Amen. 
We love you. Thank you for being here this evening. Much love. Good things coming.